It's great to be here with everyone today and what a privilege it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, what was it, last week, I know Zach, John, I may be missing some, but a couple of minutes got up and kicked this series off that we're doing here called Faith Factor. And just the, uh, the role that faith has in all of our lives. Understanding faith, understanding how it really impacts our lives and I think you heard some good stories last week on that as well uh, I think Brad and Greg were at a pastor's conference I know and uh, so anyway I'm going to continue that series today on the faith factor and we're going to take a look at faith I'll wrap up and share in a personal way a couple challenges of faith that I'm having these days seems like that always changes throughout the course of your life depending what circumstances you are dealing with and are in, uh, God will, uh, you know, in different ways uh, challenge us to really believe him fully uh, for those things that are a part of our lives. But what do you say we just roll our sleeves up and we'll pray and uh, we'll get started here today, okay? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day and this time together. We're just so grateful that uh, you're here with us. Lord, we, uh, we just tell you we do love you, we believe in you, we believe your words are true. And yet, as one man of old said, help us in our unbelief. Lord, we want to believe you just more fully and just take that faith of a mustard seed and grow it into that mustard tree. Help us grow in faith, help us pursue faith. Uh, Lord, help us value it, and uh, because we do want to have a vibrant relationship with you. And so, God, guide us in these moments we have here today, and continue to lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, I, uh, or when my kids were kids, I should say, I uh, enjoy reading them stories every now and again. I can remember uh, when the kids were younger, going up to them at night and saying, so guys, what kind of story do you want? Do you want a happy story tonight or, or do you want a sad story? And while they were thinking about it, I, I realized there's some other options. Uh, they weren't sure what they wanted there. Uh, so I, then I said, well, well, how about a scary story? And that really, you know, the light bulbs really went off on that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, scary story, scary story. You know, that's exactly what they wanted. And then I said, well, when we get to the part when you guys start crying to mama, you know, and you guys start screaming, daddy, stop, stop. Do you want me to stop or do you want me to keep going? And they said, keep going, keep going. You know, and I said, okay, great, we'll do that. You told me to now, I'm just going to remind you. But you know, it's uh, kind of a funny story on, on emotions, happy, sad, scary feelings. There's so many of them. It really enriches our lives, don't they? Feelings and emotions. And they're wonderful things and they shouldn't be taken for granted. We shouldn't subjugate them, deny them. We should embrace the emotions, the feelings that God does give us. There can be a problem, though, with emotions, with feelings, and that's when we allow them to define the choices we make in life, the decisions we make. I had a cousin of mine that I lived with one summer. He was actually an atheist. He made no bones about it. He told me, Tim, my philosophy in life is if it feels good, do it. 
And really what he's saying is, you know, I'm going to let my emotions rule me. I'm going to let my feelings dictate what I do. If they're negative feelings, I'm not going to do it. If it's positive feelings, I will do it. That's my philosophy in life. And probably to some measure or another, it's a philosophy that many people embrace in life as well. You know, it's uh, put it in aeronautical terms. Uh, I've always enjoyed that when I can. There's a term vertigo, and I know Kenneth and Robert here are pilots, maybe others. Uh, I've always been fascinated by vertigo. Uh, and I've understood that um, they used to, in the early, early days of flight, the Wright brother type early days, uh, folks back then would fly, they call it, by the seat of their pants. And basically, you just sat in that seat, and whatever felt good is what you did with that aircraft. But as we became more sophisticated, now they have instrument ratings, and you have to be able to fly by the instruments. And the seat of your pants and the instruments don't always jive. They're not always the same. And so there's situations where pilots who aren't trusting their instruments, uh, you know, basically will fly their airplane right into the ground. Uh, not knowing where they're really at because he didn't trust their instruments. My dad was a pilot. I asked him if he knew of any vertigo, a military pilot. I asked him if he knew of any vertigo experience. He said, yeah, you know, there was one soldier that he knew in training that uh, didn't trust his uh, instruments. And uh, he got scared, got concerned, lost confidence. And he ended up just bailing out of a perfectly good airplane. And uh, that was an issue of vertigo. And I think just like uh, in our lives, vertigo, you can either fly by the seat of your pants or by the instruments. In life, we can either fly by the seat of our pants, by emotions, by what we see, feel, hear, touch, or we can fly by the instruments, fly by faith, fly by trust, ultimate faith and trust in God and his promises to us. It's really two choices as we face our lives. And uh, it's like our lives default to the sight mode, the seat of your pants mode. That's really default. And it takes some intentionality to fly in life through faith. You know, I was on the internet this past week and uh, I was um, stumbled on a, a video and uh, it was about the life of Billy Graham's grandson. I can't pronounce it. Chavisian, I think is how you pronounce his last name. And uh, this young man uh, was very rebellious. And at 16 years of age, he decided, you know, I'm going to party. I'm going to have fun. Church is just there. God is just there to prevent me from having fun. This world, uh, really, there's so much to do, so much to be had. I don't want to be held back by my Christianity. And at 16, wine, women, song, surfing, all of that was part of what he really wanted to pursue. And his mother, who was Billy Graham's oldest daughter and his father, said, look, if this is the lifestyle you're going to pick, then you're just going to have to leave our house. And they asked him to leave. And he said, man, I just felt total relief leaving that house. I just felt total freedom leaving that house at 16 years of age. He busted tables at Chili's for years. He was probably about three or four or five years into this mode of life, about 20, 21 years of age, when the pleasures of sin 
which lasteth for a time, came to their end. And they always do. You know, sin is pleasurable. And sin can last for a period of time. But when it comes to an end, it leaves us void. It leaves us empty. It leaves us realizing it wasn't God at all that was preventing us from having fun. It was just the opposite. It's the world that wants to rob us of real joy, real meaning and happiness in life. Not God at all. He came to that point, accepted Christ as his Savior. And yet, I was just thinking about those years where he was just living by sight, wasn't he? But he came to a point of faith. I was trying to look that video up today, and I was saddened to see that just last year, this same young man uh, divorced his wife uh, through an adulterous affair. And, uh, and she had an adulterous affair as well. And so it was just really sad to see that. Uh, and yet, he speaks even from that position of God's grace and God's sustaining power in, the court, in his life now. And he'll have a message to share. But even later, as a pastor of a big church, uh, he stepped into a, a giant church, Coral, uh, Baptist, Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church that Kennedy led for 47 years. But even then, he stepped out of that ministry because he walked by feelings. For a moment there, he walked by, not by faith, but by feelings and emotions. And again, that destroyed his ministry at that time. And so, God wants us to learn what it means to not walk by faith, but to walk, or by sight, but to walk by faith. And there's one phrase in the Bible that comes out you know, really over and over again. And to me, it's one of the central, really, themes of Scripture is that the righteous person will walk by faith. A righteous person will conduct their lives in faith. And we're first exposed to that through the life of Abraham in Genesis fifteen six, where God promised Abraham that, that he'd be a father of, of many people. Like the stars in the skies. And it said that Abraham believed God and his faith was reckoned as righteousness. In God's eyes, Abraham was righteous as though he had no sin. In God's eyes. Why? Because he believed in a promise that God gave him. Because he was a superior person. Because he did good things all the time. And, you know, didn't, you know, drink, cuss, smoke, or date girls that did. Or, I mean, is that what he was about? No. Abraham simply had faith in that little promise. Big promise. But he believed it. Even when he was old. Almost 100 years old. Still hadn't had one child yet. Sarah was 100 years old. His wife, not one child yet. They try to take things into their own hands. And Sarah's um, servant was given to Abraham so he could bear a child through her. And again, that was walking by sight, not ultimate faith in what God had promised, not ultimate faith in God to provide what he promised. And so Abraham, though, waited, and sure enough, they bore a child, and uh, his name meant laughter, because it was just a laughing matter that Sarah, at 100 years of age, would have a child to fulfill the promise that God had given Abraham. And so, even those of faith can struggle with faith. We all do. We have moments when we walk by sight, and that's our default. But it takes grace. It takes reminding and and effort and intentionality to walk by faith.
We're also then introduced to this phrase, the righteous walk by faith, in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk lived at a time when Israel was going to be invaded by Babylon. God even told him, Habakkuk, I'm bringing Babylon into Israel. They're going to destroy Judah, really. And just because Judah had been drifting from their relationship, covenant relationship with God. And Habakkuk had a hard time with this. And he began to, in a way, complain to God and talk to God. How can this be? And Habakkuk was perplexed in his faith in God. He felt doubt that God would allow this to happen and bring this into his life and into the nation's life. And so the book of Habakkuk begins with this forewarning that this nation of Babylon would invade Judah. It continues with Habakkuk's struggle of faith, believing that their God would allow this to even happen. But it ends with Habakkuk coming to ultimate faith that no matter what happens, he was going to trust the God of Judah, the God of Israel. And so then he writes in Habakkuk 2, 4 and 3, Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just will live by faith. Though the fig tree may not blossom, and it's not going to for a while if they get invaded by Babylon, nor fruit beyond the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in Judah again in the stalls. In other words, we're going to be financially collapsed. We're going to have financial ruin here. Even though that happens yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy, take joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on high hills. You know, that's that point of ultimate faith that Habakkuk came to in the midst of a terrible, challenging crisis that they were facing as a nation. Again, Habakkuk was warned in his situation Righteous people will live by faith in these situations. And we see that Habakkuk is then quoted many times in the New Testament. Paul loves to quote Habakkuk's phrase, the righteous will live by faith. In Romans, Paul did. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. First the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous, and he's quoting Habakkuk, will live by faith. Our salvation, the gospel teaches, is by faith. It's not in what we can do. It's not in our merit. It's only in what God did by sending Christ to earth to die on the cross for our sins and placing ultimate faith for our salvation in Jesus and what he did saves us. You know, it is, uh, it is interesting for a Christian. We've never seen God. We've never seen Jesus. We've never seen the Holy Spirit. We've never seen heaven. We've never seen a writer of one of the books of the Bible. Much of our lives and our eternal destiny is based on things we've never seen. And yet, that's the nature of the beast in a relationship with God. It's got to be by faith. It's got to be by faith in God's promises, who he's revealed himself to us to be, not by sight. And so this phrase becomes a very central theme in scripture. 
Here again in Galatians, clearly no one is justified by the law, do's and don'ts, because the righteous live by faith. Here in Hebrews, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will, in the meantime, live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will take no pleasure in him. And again, we see in these three passages, Romans, it's almost like the emphasis is on the part of the phrase, the righteous. Galatians, emphasis on shall live. Hebrews, emphasis by faith. But in total, the righteous shall live by faith. You know, I think our tendency, and it's so easy, and you've heard of so many kinds of addictions, There's one kind of addiction that you may not think to categorize as an addiction. And that is an addiction to our own self-salvation projects. I mean, our own ways and projects and means of saving ourselves. It's almost like we're addicted to figuring out how to do it. You might ask yourselves to try to identify what in your life, if taken away tomorrow, would leave you feeling void, meaningless, would leave you feeling that you've lost any kind of self-worth, would make you have a, even a lower self-esteem. If, if what you can identify could be removed, maybe it's uh, your looks, appearances, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's your reputation, Maybe it's your dreams or goals. What if those things were taken away from you tomorrow? You know, how would that leave you feeling? How would that leave you at that time? And that's where ultimate faith in God kicks in. Where God values us. He says so. He loves us. He's provided everything we need for life. Everything we need to be accepted and valued and uh, validated God has provided these things for us through Christ. And so it's almost like every day we've got to preach the gospel to ourselves. We've got to preach this truth to ourselves that what God values is our faith, not uh, the things that we see. And you know, it's amazing, but we will amaze God in our faith. It's just this ultimate confidence in God amazes God. And that's one of the neatest things about living a life of faith is that you can amaze God. You know, you can awe God. You know, awesome is one of those words we kind of probably tend to overutilize. Hey, do you want to go to town with me? Awesome. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, do you want some ice cream? Yeah, awesome. You know, that's how we use the word awesome. And, you know, awesome means this. Uh, it means a reverential fear or dread mingled with veneration. Hey, do you want some uh, ice cream? You know, I really have a reverential fear and dread mingled with veneration over that thought. That'd be great. You know, no, we don't really think of awesome as it really is meant to be thought of. I can remember once I was driving into Ames, Iowa. I was about, you know, 50 miles away, 30 miles away. I don't remember. And it was a terrible storm around Ames, dead ahead there. And it's just this terrible, 
black cloud. And it was huge. It was massive. It looked like it covered the whole city as I was approaching it. But as I looked a little more closely, it was spinning. (laughs) It was a massive tornado. I mean, it was just phenomenally huge. I was actually, you know, just just struck with this reverential fear or dread mingled with veneration. I was awed by that tornado. It was just incredible. And yet, what could possibly awe the creator of that tornado? What could possibly awe God? And yet the scripture says, our faith awes him. You know, the centurion You know, God, you know, was just awed by that man's faith. He said, man, I just haven't seen faith like this to anyone in Israel. He was awed by it. He was also sometimes awed when people didn't have faith. But we can actually impress God and allow him to stand amazed at our lives when we exercise faith. We also know that faith not only amazes God, it straightens out our paths. Think of that young... uh, uh, grandson of Billy Graham. You know, I used to tell my kids regarding that, that, uh, you know, life is hard, then it gets harder, and then you die, you know? And of course, then you go to heaven if you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus. And that's the good part. That's the good news. But, you know, it's, it's true. Life can be challenging. Think about how much more challenging it can be when you walk by sight, not by faith. Billy Graham's grandson, those four or five years when he was just, you know, wanting to live for the pleasures of the world. They really, you know, really did uh, create um, just a disastrous effect in his life in those four or five years. And then later, even as a pastor, walking by sight and just think of how much more difficult his life was. He kind of made his life this. And a lot of us make our lives this. This is a road in Ireland. I mean, a lot of roads in Ireland look like that. A lot of countries you can go and find roads that are just twisting and winding because of, you know, kind of like a river following the path of least resistance. That water will wind and turn. And as we follow the paths of least resistance in our own lives, you know, I feel like doing this and I don't feel like doing that. Um, You know, we'll find that Rather than a river that really accentuates the landscape, you know, our uh, river just, in a way, destructs our life, destroys our lives. Yeah, when you go to Ireland, this is what you see at crossroads. You know, all kinds of paths and roads that you can take, any number of different directions here and there. It's just confusing. That's what our lives become like. When we walk by sight, when we do the things we feel like doing because we think we'll find joy, happiness, doing those things. When it's only a matter of time before it becomes evident that those are dead end roads and they'll never provide what we need. The challenge is for all of us in all ages, male, female here, is to walk by faith. And the righteous will. And their paths will be made straight. This is a term from even the Old Testament days when a king visited a town. They'd go out for miles and pull and throw all the rocks off that road. So it'll be clean sailing for the king coming into that town. They wanted to make his path straight as possible. And that's what they would do in those days. And that's what it's in reference to here. Our lives 
will be made straight. There's one road in Ireland, by the way, the road to Navan, which is just outside of Dublin. It's as straight as an arrow. And it was built by a guy that uh, was a very wealthy landowner there in the Dublin area, but his, his girlfriend lived in Navan. So he built the Navan Road, as straight as an arrow. So that's the kind of road God will give us as we are people that live by faith. Faith gives us a strong defense in our life. You know, I'm telling you right now, there's not a one of us in this room that doesn't have the same enemy, the devil, that prowls about looking for naive and foolish people just to devour them. That's what Satan wants to do. And he's prowling about with that intention of devouring, destroying lives. And Satan is a force to be reckoned with, no doubt. But he's not without his weaknesses. Ephesians 6, we're taught what kinds of armament we can carry in our lives. One piece of armament is the shield of faith. And that becomes a shield in which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows the evil one can throw our way. So faith, that shield of faith, becomes a a defensive uh, armament against our enemy, the devil. And I'm going to tell you, boy, there's been times this past year, Julian, I'll just say, man, are we under attack or what? I mean, we sense it. We can tell it. And it's times like that that, and really all times, but we're needing to just trust God and turn to God and find our faith in the midst of those kinds of challenges. And we find that through faith, we defend our lives. We strengthen our lives. And it says that it'll be done to us according to our faith. And that's a wonderful, wonderful promise. It will be done to us according to our faith. Not according to the cards that were dealt you. Not according to your abilities. Or not according to, you know, the case sera mentality. Whatever it will be, will be. Or fate. Or positive thinking. The Bible says it's done to you according to your faith. What, how you believe in Jesus, God. That's how it will be done for you. And so, I just wanted to share the basic thought. That's what we need to cling to, is valuing living our lives by faith. There's two areas that I have noticed, even in the last maybe year or at least months, uh, that I have struggled with more than I have in the past to believe God for. And I'll share those with you. And, of course, you all may have your own faith challenges that God will want to bring a trial into your life because it said, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials for the testing of your faith. And God will test our faith through these trials. I'll introduce my two by introducing you to these two men. Uh, The one on the right is my grandfather and the one on the left is his brother-in-law, a guy named Art Seaman. And those two guys married sisters And that's how I'm related uh, to the Seaman family back home where we come from in Iowa. They were really good friends. Uh, Art had one son, and uh, and then my grandpa had uh, five sons, but my dad was one of those. My dad and Art's son, Cecil, called him Sam, were best of friends like their fathers before them. Well, uh, my uh, dad, of course, had me, and Cecil had Chris. And this is at my fourth birthday. 
And uh, Chris was one month younger than I am, so he, he's only three years old in that picture. But uh, that was just a picture at our house at a birthday party. There's Chris and I just in one of our backyards. We only lived a few miles from each other. Chris, uh, I'd have to say, as you probably are gathering, has been a lifelong friend of mine my entire life. And no one that uh, I've ever been closer to, for sure. Here we are in my backyard, front yard, I guess, playing cards on a picnic table. And there's uh, Chris sitting down. I'm kneeling down. Here we are even as teenagers. That's kind of an embarrassing shot, actually. I don't know. But you can even see my little rabbit foot on my little loop of my pants there. Yeah, I was carrying my rabbit foot around. Uh, But we were just the best of friends. Uh, Yesterday, and Chris, many of you know Chris. He's been here even two weeks ago. He was here. Greg, you saw him. And uh, Chris, uh, I was not here that day we were moving. But uh, Chris has lived in Denver. But I stood at Chris's dead body yesterday. Chris passed away Friday. And it was really tough. It was really hard for, for me, for all of our family. It was a natural cause. He had a pulmonary embolism. Just died resting on the couch. And, uh, but I will say, that's one of the challenges that I'm beginning to face more and more. Is aging is one of them. And, uh, and death is the other. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, as I just stood there and saw Chris, and we're the same age roughly, you just are reminded uh, of how short life is. I called all of our kids, let them know, because Chris was probably closer, the closest uncle that any of them would have had, uh, even over their uncles, you know. And they had a lot of uncles, but uh, we were all, uh, all the kids, everybody would be very close to Chris. But yeah, you know, as I've gotten a little older now, and in the mornings, it uh, takes a while, I've got, you know, good 20, 30 steps to loosen up my ankles and feet and so they're not hurting, and uh, you're just not as amber and as you used to be, and uh, it's, uh, you know, aging is no fun, and, and frankly, I feel like I've got a ways to go, at least I hope so, but I'm just saying, though, I definitely feel the effects of aging. Many of you haven't got there yet. God's testing you with other things. I remember uh, worrying about and having to trust God for a spouse. Am I ever going to get married? (laughs) That was another issue I remember. But these days, it's, man, I'm getting old. (laughs) And uh, therefore, we do not lose heart. But see, by sight, I want to lose heart. By sight, I look in the mirror and I think, man, who is that guy? You know, by sight, you, uh, you, you know, you feel those pains. Uh, you know, I've got a wrist that's kind of messed up now, and you know, I need to. One doctor says I got to pull; they got to pull three bones out of my wrist. But another doctor says, "Don't do that. You should, what do you call those cells? Stem cells, and we can fix it that way." I don't know what we'll do there, but yeah, I mean, there's just constant. You know, the outer man is decaying, and um, it, you can lose heart sometimes. But though the outer man is decaying, we're reminded. Yet our inner man is being renewed. Day by day. We're also reminded in another verse that I love. Our citizenship is, is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior. Who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. Through the exertion of the power that he has to subject everything to himself. Even aging. Even death can be subjected to God's power. And I got to get to that point that Habakkuk got to. Where we have ultimate faith in that. And if so, then we can walk 
as righteous men would, in faith, ultimate faith, trusting God for that circumstance that I'm now stepping into more and more. And hey, my mom's 100 years old. And I, and I have to remind myself, that's 37 more years. You know, I, I, uh, she's probably faced a lot more of all of these issues. And uh, I haven't even gotten names for a lot of those things she's probably gone through. But the other one is death. And I'm reminded of this verse. As I even stood over Chris yesterday. Or his body, I should say. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? That's not Shakespeare. That's the Bible. O death, where is your sting? Through faith in Christ... That sting of death has been removed. There's victory over even death through the resurrection of Jesus. He even gave us foretaste of those resurrection that we too would be resurrected by raising Lazarus from the dead. We see a human being who was raised from the dead. And so even death doesn't need to be uh, something we fear. It can be something that is our passageway to the imperishable where we'll be with God forever and ever but but you know what I'm finding that that takes faith that takes some ultimate faith I'd like to uh, if we can uh, Nick I'm not sure if we can show this video or not should we give it a shot all right If that is the case, I had it working on my PowerPoint, but I don't think it uh, saved over to the strip. Uh, I'm just going to close it by sharing the story of Lazarus, where Lazarus was in, in, uh, in his tomb, and Jesus came. Uh, they had called for him, but he came late, four days late. And uh, as Jesus stood out with the crowd, um, Jesus commanded that the stone be removed. And it says that there would be a stench at that time. And so in the video, you'll see people putting their handkerchiefs over their noses and so on because of the stench that the Bible speaks of that was there. And yet even in the midst of what seems like the ultimate finality, Lazarus's death, even a death to the point of stench, four days later, Jesus commanded Lazarus and he said, and he said come forth, and Lazarus came up out of the grave. And what an amazing thing to see the power of God over death. In any case, those are the two areas that I find myself struggling with at times to have the kind of faith God wants us to have. Ultimate faith that his promises are true, whether it's as we age, whether it's as we you know, are mindful and approach death, or whether it's the death of our loved ones and friends, or maybe it's other areas of your life, you know, finances, Job, raising those kids, the challenges you might have with, with kids or any number of other issues that we face. Uh, God wants to be there. And he wants his words to speak to us, empower us, 
and allow us to have straight paths of joy as we trust in him, knowing that our welfare is paramount in his mind. Let's pray and ask God to guide us, okay, in this, and uh, we'll close. Lord, we do thank you for this day, this time, and opportunity. Father, we know that you'll often bring trials into our lives to test our faith in the areas that need testing. For me, that trial was Chris passing this weekend. And uh, what a challenge that has been to my faith. Lord, I just pray that you'll help me grow in having faith in you in these situations. And uh, Lord, might we all grow in whatever specific challenge we face as individuals here today to trust you uh, for ultimately for anything that we do face in our lives. And we commit that to you, Lord. And thank you for this time together. Guide us this week that we might be righteous people that walk by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.